You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. we will sin, but it's God's grace. It's God's love that constrains me when I realize how much He loves me, like we talked about on Sunday. When I realize what He did on the cross for me, when I take it to heart, when I take it deep into my heart, when I let it sink into my heart and really realize that He did that for me, that constrains me. I don't want to sin. I don't want to go out and willingly sin. Yes, I make mistakes. I'll be the first one to confess to you. I make mistakes. Yes, I am. I'm I'm still a sinner. Have you stopped to think about how much God loves you? He loves you so much that He sent His Son to a cross so that He could be with you through eternity. Pastor Dave talks today about how that affects our hearts and our desires. When we understand the powerful love of God, we want to return that love. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 2 as he continues his message, Settling All Family Business. Look what, look what he says in, in verse 5. Look what he says in verse 5. In 2 Samuel, he's telling David this story. And when, David tells, when he tells David this story, David gets so mad. In verse 5 he said, So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, this man has done. He shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb. There it is. Fourfold for the lamb. What this commentator was saying is that the baby died, Ammon died, Absalom died, and Adonijah died fourfold. David was going against the man who hurt the lamb and wanted a fourfold repentance, but it was God that took out a fourfold consequence on David. Very sad. Very, very sad. It's extremely sad how sin can destroy a family. How sin can destroy a family. So with Adonijah now out of the way, and it's interesting that Adonijah wasn't one of the ones that um, uh, David warned Solomon about. We read through that that list last week, and and David never warned Solomon about Adonijah. Why do you think that? Because it was his son. He wasn't going to pass a murder sentence on his son. Remember how David doted over his kids? How he spoiled them rotten? He wasn't going to pass a murder sentence on Adonijah. So he didn't say anything about that. So now David turns his eyes to Abiathar, to Abiathar the priest, and to Joab. Let's read 26 and 27. And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anatoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving death. But I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord before God, my father David. And because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being a priest to the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which was spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. At Shiloh. So he basically defrocks Abiathar. He sends him away. He puts him in exile. He says, you're deserving death. But I'm not going to kill you right now. 
but don't think I won't. And it kind of hangs out over, over Abiathar's head. I'm not going to kill you right now, but don't cross me. Don't look at me cross-eyed. You might get it. He, he was in defiance against the will of God. He came against David wanting Adonijah to be king. He came against David, but Solomon showed mercy and grace to him. Mercy was shown in sparing his life because of his past standing as chief priest and his support of his father David. And he showed wisdom when he said, you should be executed, but I'm going to let you live for now. So keep looking over your shoulder. It says that it might be fulfilled at the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. And this refers to the prophecy that Samuel gave to Eli. How Eli, remember Eli and his sons were wicked priests back in the days when Samuel was born. And young Samuel had to prophesy against Eli and said, this is all going to end with you and your kids. There will be no longer anybody else from your family who will be a priest. This is the last in line. This prophecy that was made hundreds of years before Solomon has now come to pass. Don't think the Lord is slack in his promises. Don't think the Lord is slack in the things that he comes up with. A hundred years later, this thing comes to pass right in front of our eyes. A hundred years. So Abiathar is exiled. Go back to your hometown. Go back to Anathoth and keep your farm. And every now and then look over your shoulder. And then comes our buddy Joab. I think this guy's really a mercenary. This guy's really a cruel guy. Old Joab is a cruel guy. Let's read 27 to 34. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Then news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. Here we go. Just like Abathar, I mean, or um, Adonijah, remember? Grabbing on the hordes of the altar, seeking mercy, seeking kindness. King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent hatchet man, Benaiah, the son of Jedada, saying, go strike him down. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, thus says the king, come out. And he said, no, but I will lie here. And Benaiah brought back word to the king, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered. Then the king said to him, Do as he said, and strike him down and bury him, that you may take away from me the house from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he. He killed them with the sword, Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. I love it. So Benaniah, the son of Jedidah, went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. Then the king put Benaiah, the son of Jedidah, in the place of the army, and he put Zadok, the priest, in place of Abiathar. So when we look closely at his actions, he hears that Abiathar, what happened to him? And he goes, "Uh uh-oh, I might be next. So he runs to the altar and he grabs 
He must have thought he was impervious to repercussions. He must have thought that he could get away with anything he wanted. One commentator said this, Joab did whatever he wanted, maybe because he was the only one beside David, Bathsheba, and Nathan who knew of Uriah's murder. Interesting, because remember, it was Joab that David told, when you go into battle, send Uriah up front. Send Uriah up front, and then everybody kind of pulled back. Remember that? So maybe he was going a little blackmail. I don't know, maybe he thought he could do some things because he, had, he was, had something on David. But it's interesting, interesting thought. But guess what? David's dead. The secret no more mattered. It didn't matter because David was dead, and now it was time to settle the family business. Knowing that his days are numbered, Joab flees to the tabernacle and he grabs a hold of the horn of the altar, just like Adonijah. But the outcome was completely different. At Solomon's command, Benaiah kills Joab. Now, there's a couple of lessons we can learn from this. There's really a couple of lessons we can learn. And, and the more I studied, the more I looked at some commentaries, they came up with some pretty interesting things. First of all, we should never use the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as a license to commit wrong and commit sin. We should never take the grace of God and turn it into license. Well, I'm saved. I know if I do this, well, I'm saved. I'm born again. I can do that. I can sin here, sin there. I'm saved. Don't be deceived and think you can do whatever you want. God is not mocked. Don't cling to thinking that you're going to get away free. Don't continue to disobey his commands. What did Paul say in Romans 6.1? Shall we sin now more than because grace abounds? Yeah, God forbid. No way. No way. I'm not going to run around sinning. We think, after all, if God loves sinners, and then why worry about sin? If God gives grace to sinner, the more I sin, the more grace I'll get. Yeah, that's a good idea. No. Some people think that it's their job to sin, and God's God to forgive. God's job to forgive. So they, they do their job, and they hope God will do his. God is a forgiving God, don't get me wrong. But it's a strange question. The question still confronts us. Is, it the, is the plan of grace safe? In other words, I remember going to the Atlantic City Rescue Mission. And I remember teaching God's grace at the Atlantic City Rescue Mission. And somebody came against me. You can't teach these guys God's grace. They'll take it to license. They'll take it and go out and do whatever they want. I said, well, if they truly have God in their heart, they won't. If they truly accept Christ in their heart, what did Paul say about that? It's the love of Christ that constrains him. I don't want to sin because I don't want to hurt my Savior. I don't want to sin because I don't want to do anything that would tarnish God's name. I don't want to go out and do something like that. Yeah, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, we are going to make mistakes now and then. Yes, we are. Yes. If you say you don't sin, you're a liar. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible says. But I don't go out and willingly sin, hoping that God's grace will be more and more and more and more. I don't do that. I don't do that. Because that's against God. That's going against God. And I'm actually tempting God. And I don't want to tempt God. So we have to be very, very careful in that light. We have to be very, very careful. Yes, we will sin, but it's God's grace. It's God's love that constrains me. When I realize how much he loves me, like we talked about on Sunday, when I realize what he did on the cross for me, when I take it to heart, when I take it deep into my heart, when I let it sink into my heart and really realize that he did that for me, that constrains me. I don't want to sin. I don't want to go out and willingly sin. 
Yes, I make mistakes. I'll be the first one to confess to you. I make mistakes. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. But I don't go out and say, gee, I think I'm going to go sin because I need more grace. That's insane. Paul says, God forbid. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please, don't take God's grace as license. We have liberty. We do. All things are law. What is the word? What's the scripture? All things are good for me, but not everything is expedient. We've got to do those things that will bring us closer to God. Those things that will get us closer to God. We can't be doing those kind of things. And secondly, he went and he thought that the sacrament would save him. He went and he thought that grabbing the horns of the altar would save him. But he was misappropriating God's law because that's what, what it was for. Those who commit murder willingly were not saved by grabbing the horns of the altar. Those who committed manslaughter or had a problem and someone died, then they could get, it was like a city of refuge, then they can grab the horns of the altar. But that's not what he was doing. Well, here's my point in this. Just like some of the Jews thought, well, I'm circumcised, I'm saved. Don't think because you're baptized, you're saved. Don't think that baptism saves you. It does not. Don't think because you take the Lord's Supper, you're saved. It doesn't save you. The only thing saves you is confessing Jesus Christ as Savior, believing in the sacrifice on the cross, and allowing Him, confessing your sins, and allowing Him to take it away. The only thing that saves us is belief in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by the things we do. When he said it was completed, when it was finished, the requirements for the law were washed away, it says. They were washed away. The only thing we need to do now is believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in him that he's the son of God. You know, even coming to church. Well, I'm, I go to Calvary Chapel. Great. Are you saved? No, I go to Calvary Chapel. What? Going to a church doesn't make you a Christian. It does not make you a Christian. You can attend every single day. You can be here 24-7. You can stay here. You can sleep here. It won't make you a Christian. You heard the old adage, spend three days in a, in a garage. It won't make you a car. <laughs> Going to church doesn't make you. Even serving the Lord doesn't save you. Even serving the Lord does not save you. Serving the Lord comes out of a love that you have for God, realizing what he's done for you. You want to give back. You want to serve. But some people think, I have to serve the Lord, thinking that that's going to get them a leg up. God will love me more if I serve this person. No, I'm sorry. How much more can he love you than dying on a cross for you? We talked about that on Sunday. How much more can he love you? He can't. He can't. So we got to be careful when we get into that, 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 that mindset, the doo-doo, doo-doo mindset, because it's all doo-doo. Paul called it rubbish. Paul called it rubbish. These things, these great things, they're all rubbish for the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. So he runs to the altar, grabs the horns, thinking that he's safe, but he's misappropriating or misapplying God's law, and he's killed. Two down, one to go. Shammai, a rascal. Remember Shammai, the one who cussed David, threw rocks at him? Remember? He cussed him up, threw rocks at him. He was uh, some sort of relative to Saul. Remember when David was fleeing Absalom? He was up on the mountain rolling boulders down at him, cussing him. 
And then a little later he came when, when, David, when, when the Lord um, overcame Absalom and David was king again. He came down and he, he basically apologized and David forgave him. Remember? Remember? Well, it's time for Shammai to um, be taken care of. And I love this because Shammai basically sets his own death. Let's listen. 36. Then the king sent and called for Shammai and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and do not go out from there anywhere. For it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron, know for certain that you will surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shammai said to the king, The saying is good. As my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shammai dwelt in Jerusalem many days. (laughs) 39. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shammai ran away to Akish, the son of Makkah, king of Gath. And they told Shammai, saying, look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shammai arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Akish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shammai went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told that Shammai had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Then the king sent and called for Shammai and said, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, No, for certain, that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word I have said is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you? And the king said moreover to Shammai, You know, as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father David, therefore the Lord will return your wickedness on your head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benai, the son of Joadada, and he went out and struck him down, and he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Wow. The family business was taken care of. Today, we settled all the family business. We did it. It's done. I love the fact that he doesn't kill Shammai automatically. He tells him to live in Jerusalem and not to leave. I'll do it. I'll do it. Sometimes you think, was that a setup? (laughs) Did, did Did they make him escape? I don't know. Who knows? But it was for three years. But then he leaves. Shammai was executed, and Solomon appoints Benaiah as commander of the army, Zadok as priest. So these are the first days of the king. Solomon settled all the family business. And it's interesting that in 1 Chronicles 22, verses 6 to 10, Solomon is called a man of peace. So Solomon is a called a man of peace. After he just wiped everybody out, he's called a man of peace. It's interesting. But true peace is not based on sentiment. Settling the family business. True peace is based on righteousness. True peace is based on righteousness because Jesus is our peace. He has broken down every wall. He's made the two one. Jesus is our peace. The land had been polluted by the innocent blood that Joab had shed. David didn't execute Joab even after he killed Absalom because if David knew himself, he had blood on his hands. David knew that he was also guilty of shedding innocent blood. Solomon was a man of peace. His hands were clean because he achieved that peace by bringing about righteousness to the land. The land is now righteous. David's light continued to shine in Jerusalem, even by the Lord. And today it still shines. David's 
light through the Lord and through the Holy Spirit still shine in our lives today, take a trip through the Psalms. Take a trip through the Psalms and read those beautiful, glorious words of David, written by the Holy, written and, and written by David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Read those bad boys and let them just minister to you such wonders and such grace, and you'll feel God's light shining upon you as you go through them. I, I, I try to read a psalm a day. I try to go through, and when I get to the end, I start over again, you know. It's kind of like reading the Proverbs one day a, a week for each day, and it's a good thing. I just love the Psalms. I just love them. They speak to me in boldness. So Solomon gathered all his people around him, and he said, this day we settled all the family business. All the family business was settled, and the kingdom was established at the hand of Solomon. Solomon established the kingdom of God, and all his threats were gone, and now he could live in peace. And now we get to see Solomon, the true man. Solomon wasn't a warrior like his dad. I told you, Solomon was a pampered pup. He was a pampered pup. He grew up in the palace, pampered by the palace. He didn't have the ruggedness that David had. He didn't kill Goliath and his brothers. He didn't go out and lead the armies. He didn't go out and slay all these people. He didn't run from Saul, run from Absalom. He didn't do all these crazy things that David did. Solomon was a different man. Solomon's going to have his own problems. <laughs> Solomon's going to have his own problems. And next week we're going to read that Solomon asks for the greatest thing he could ever ask for. The Lord basically says, what do you want, Solomon? Now that you're king of all Israel, what do you want? I'll give it to you. Solomon says, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom that I might be the king of this nation that you want me to be. That I might be the man you want me to be. That I might be able to take care of your children and your people the way you want me to. Give me that wisdom. And the Lord basically says, oh man, you asked for the best thing. And because you asked for that, I'm going to give you everything else. Hmm. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all this will be added. It's a great story. It's a great story. But Solomon doesn't hold on to that. As we go further into Kings, you'll see that Solomon is a man, and he falls, and he does some crazy things. So, um, Read ahead. Chapter 3, at least the first 15 verses Oh, there's only 28 verses. We can get through that. We'll probably get through all of chapter 3 of 2 Kings. Read ahead. I challenge you to go back and read how the family business was settled by Solomon and see what the Lord might say to you as you read through those scriptures. I mean, there's a lot of narrative there and, and things, but you, you can glean some pretty interesting stuff out of it. And you can glean some fun stuff out of it. So uh, I hope that the Lord has blessed you with his word. I hope that he has, has shown you great things in his word and, and whet your appetite to be a reader of the word and then a doer of the word, that you, that you might, might know him better and better. And that's why we study his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that we might know him better, know his character, because he's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same forever. Know what he's like, know how he does and what he's like. You are assured. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you, and if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com and don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we are grateful that you were a part of our listening audience today. Be sure to join us again next time for more from First Kings right here on Assure Hope.